most famous prayer in the history of the world that you just watched on that video. And I wonder, you probably many of you have memorized either that prayer or parts of that prayer in, in different versions of the Bible. And, but I wonder if you know why that prayer is there in the Bible and what it's supposed to teach us, because it may not be what you are thinking. And that's what I want to talk about today. And I want to do more than that. I want us all to go on a prayer journey this morning, sort of a guided prayer journey. And the reason for that is I think sometimes our prayer life can become so stale and routine and we always bring the same things before God and we just need something to sort of freshen up that prayer life. I believe that God wants to have a very close relationship with you. In fact, he wants it to be closer than it is right now. Uh, but the, the problem is sometimes our relationship just sort of slips into a rut and, and, and God is always there wanting to go deeper with us, but a relationship has two sides to it. And God brings everything he has, which is amazing. And we don't always bring the best that we have to our relationship with God. And so sometimes we fall into this rut where we just don't feel like we're close with God. We feel like we don't really know what he wants from us, what he wants from our lives. We're, we're just not quite feeling that presence of God in our lives like we have before. And, and as is so often the case, it's because we have sort of slipped into distraction and disconnectedness, and we've allowed that relationship to positionally drift apart a little bit. But God's never moved. We just move. We get distracted by all sorts of things. Sometimes we get bitter against God because of something that he's allowed to take place in our life or something we think he's done to us. And all of that can cause us to sort of drift away from God, and we need to be brought back in. And a big part of that is learning how to talk with God. And so my hope is that today, over the rest of the time we have together, that you will learn some new things about talking with God, that you'll experience a bit of a fresh way to do it. And we're not just going to talk about it. We're not just going to teach about it. We're actually going to do it together. And so this is going to be a prayer workshop for us. We've done this several times before. We're going to do it in a completely new way this time that we've never done before. But my hope is that you'll learn some things that you'll take away from this and be able to apply them in your own walk with God to grow closer with him. The disciples saw that Jesus had an incredible prayer life. Sometimes he would go off for hours to pray. And at one point uh, in Luke chapter 11, the disciples ask him, hey, teach us to pray. John taught his disciples how to pray, teach us to pray. Now, you might think that, well, prayer, it's just talking with God. It's, it's easy. But obviously, there's more to it than that. If the disciples who spend all this time with Jesus have to ask him, hey, could you teach us how to do that thing that you do with God? I mean, that should make us feel a little better, actually, because sometimes my prayers become stale and routine and habit, and I, I just sort of fall into ruts in my prayer life. And to know that the disciples who were there with Jesus had to say, could you teach us how to pray? If they had to do that, then I don't think it should make us feel bad at all that we sometimes need to learn how to pray. There's always more that we can learn. There's so much we can learn about prayer. And we're going to explore a little bit of that today through the Lord's Prayer. It's in Matthew chapter 6 and it's in Luke chapter 11. We're going to use the Matthew 6 version because it's a little bit more complete. Luke sort of summarized it for us. Matthew may have summarized it a little bit too. We don't know. There may have been more that Jesus shared, but this was the important stuff that Matthew felt like this is worth writing down. So if you turn to Matthew chapter 6 in your Bibles, we're going to walk through this prayer together. And it is something like a template you may think of the Lord's Prayer as that thing that you've heard recited over and over again, maybe that thing you had to memorize at some point, or that thing with that beautiful song, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And you know, someone with a great voice sings it. That was never the purpose of the Lord's Prayer. 
The Lord's Prayer was not given to us to make beautiful music or just to memorize and repeat. The Lord's Prayer was given to us as a template. Jesus says, pray like this, or in this manner, you should pray. The whole point of this was not to just pray these things exactly. Jesus was giving us categories of prayer. Prayer points so that you memorize the template, not the exact words, and then you expand on that in your prayers. Do you think when Jesus went off for hours to pray that he just prayed this over and over again? No, this is not the, the summation of prayer. This is just to get you started. These are, these are thought points to kind of get you on the right path, and then you expand on it and make it your own as you talk with God. Any good relationship is based on that kind of authenticity and creativity and flexibility where you are just sharing as you are, but there are certain things that if you, if you can keep these in mind, you'll have a better, closer relationship if you don't keep it all to yourself. But we need reminders. We need a process. We need a template, and that's what Jesus gives you here in the Lord's Prayer. So what we're going to do to make this easy is we're going to break this up into four parts, and it's four R's, four R words. So if you can remember these four words, and maybe you want to take notes along the way or, or, or something like that, then this will help you to make sure that your prayer life doesn't slip into the same kind of patterns and routines that we sometimes do that make our prayer life so stale. Matthew chapter 6 is going to kick us off. Jesus responds to his disciples and says, pray like this in verse 9, our Father in heaven, May your name be kept holy. Now, this is not just dialing God's number to bring our requests to him. Our Father in heaven, heavenly Father, as we often say now, here's all the things that I want and need right now. But that's not how Jesus starts this off. Jesus starts this off by saying, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. What is this? It's a recognition of who God is. We're starting right off the bat by realizing that we are praying to the God of the universe that created everything. And the fact that he wants a relationship with us, that's amazing that he would even want us to come and talk to him. And so before we get into any of the other stuff, before we get into any of our wants and needs and all of that, we just start off with God. This is not about us. This is about God. Let's recognize who God is. And so the first R is reverence. We start by praying with reverence for who God is. We praise him. We glorify him. That's not always an easy thing to do if we haven't practiced that before, but we're going to practice it today. The next R is response. In the very next verse, Jesus says, may your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is all about response. So God's name is holy. He is set apart. He is different. He is the one that we worship and glorify. That's the one we're talking to right now. But then where are we in relation to him? What is our position relative to him? Well, it's his will over our will. May your will be done, not my will. Now, when, when I pray to God, so often the first thing that comes into my head after I dial his number, which is Heavenly Father or dear Jesus or dear God or whatever it is, the first thing that comes to mind is what is it that I want to get out of him? What is it that I want from him? If you were to, to call up your, your, the most famous person that you, you could think of, if you happen to have their number, it's a famous person, maybe a very wealthy person. Let's say it's Elon Musk. He's been in the news a lot. He's got a lot of money. You call up Elon Musk, and, and the first words out of your mouth are, could I have some money? How do you think that's going to go down? Click. Right? Like, why would he want to listen to you? That's not how you're going to interact with someone. We all know that's not the way you talk to someone. And yet with God, that's so often what we do. We jump right to our request, which is our will. And yet the model Jesus gives us is first, we glorify God and acknowledge and recognize who he is. And then we recognize our 
role in this order here that our will is not what's most important. See, we're gonna get to our requests in a little bit, but before we do that, we need to acknowledge it's your will, not my will. And you know, a big part of that is because I may ask for something thinking that it's what's best for me and God may know that it's not. So if I come before God and I say, God, I really, I really want, maybe even need a new sports car. Like I really, I mean, and if I had this, I could use it for ministry and God, there's all these great things that I could do with it. And God, I just, I would really, really like a new sports car. You know, I may think that all about all the wonderful things I could do with that. And yet God is, is there listening to this and going, you do realize that's going to ruin you, right? Like that's the last thing you need. I mean, I know that other guy has it and I allowed him to have it. Maybe I even blessed him with it because I know he can handle it. But no, this would not work out well for you. And we have to acknowledge the fact that God knows better than us what's best for us. And so we go from reverence to our response, which is your will be done, not mine, because I know your will is better. I'm about to share my request with you, God. But if any of those don't align with your will, I want your will to be done, not mine. That's what we're doing. We're recognizing that he is God. We are not. We want his will to be done, not ours. And so our second R is response, choosing God's purposes over ours. The next R is requests. And we finally get to our request. This is in verses 11 and 12. Jesus says, give us today the food we need, or some versions say our daily bread, and forgive us our sins or our debts as we have forgiven those who sin against us. Now, there are two kinds of requests that are being made here. In fact, these two requests, you're going to love this, both start with the letter R. So you thought you only had four R's to remember. You've got six. I got gotcha. you. Two bonus R words. But these two fall under the request word. All right. The first one is resources. And the second one is relationships. We make requests for resources and for relationships. What are the resources? Give us this day our daily bread or the food that we need. God, we ask for you to provide for us. And I don't think Jesus is just talking about bread here. I think this is a category. He is giving us an idea of the type of thing we're supposed to pray for. God, for the things that we need, the clothing and the food and the housing. And Lord, uh, we're struggling right now to make our mortgage payment. And, and God, we ask that you would provide for this need. So we ask for resources. But the other kind of request is for relationships. Forgive us our sins, God, as we have forgiven those who sin against us. Again, this is a snapshot of what is a much broader category of thought, which is the idea that if we're coming before God and saying, Lord, I, I've sinned against you and I apologize and I ask for your forgiveness, I confess that sin to you. It's with the understanding that I've already done that with other people. If I'm expecting God to forgive me for how I've wronged him, then I have to be willing to forgive other people. It's an assumption that Jesus makes right there that you've already taken care of that. It's all about relationships. In a relationship, there are times when we will do things that hurt each other, even if we don't realize it, or sometimes intentionally. We will wrong each other in different ways, and one of the ways this gets referred to in scriptures is a debt. Like if I do something that hurts you in some way, it's almost like a debt that exists there. And Jesus is saying, we need to have short accounts on those debts. We need to forgive each other. Paul says in Colossians 3.13, make allowance for each other's faults. We're not supposed to hold on to those things. We're actually supposed to have extra margin in our relationship budget to allow for the debts that get occurred when people do something that rub us the wrong way or offend us in some way or hurt us or in, insult us. And that doesn't mean there's not work to do there to interact with each other and confront each other and to find repentance and, and forgiveness and all of that. But we are supposed to forgive debts. And then 
we're supposed to also seek God's forgiveness because this is not just a request for the relationship with other people. That's assumed. This is a request for our relationship with God. Every single one of us, every day, struggles with thoughts, with actions, with words that we know are not pleasing to our Heavenly Father, that we know are outside of His will. We cross over a line, over a boundary, into a territory where we now have a debt with God. And so we seek his forgiveness. We have requests for resources. We have requests for relationships. And that's number three, requests. The last R is readiness. In the next verse, Jesus says, and don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Jesus wants his followers to recognize that they are in a spiritual battle. This is a spiritual battle. Eventually, Paul is going to say later on in the New Testament that our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against other people, even though like, it seems like it is so often, but it's actually against spiritual forces in the unseen realm. It's against spiritual forces that we cannot see. And so that person that, that has really bothered you, offended you, hurt you in some way, you think that the struggle is just between you and them. It's not. The struggle is also with the unseen spiritual forces that are working to try to make this as chaotic as possible that are working to try to keep you from reconciling, working to try to keep you from dealing with whatever that issue is between you because it's not just about you and them. Your battle is not just with them. They're, they're a person that God loves, but there are spiritual forces behind the scenes and there is a battle going on and it's a battle for your heart and your soul as well as the enemy is thinking, you know what? Maybe they've already trusted in Jesus, but I can still make their life miserable and use them to make other people's lives miserable. Maybe they've already trusted in Jesus, but I can still do my work. That's why Paul says in Ephesians 6, put on the full armor of God to be able to resist the fiery darts of the evil one. There is an enemy and Jesus wanted his disciples to understand you are not just fighting a battle against people here. There is a whole nother bigger battle going on that you can't even really see and you can't fight it alone. And so he says, don't let us yield to temptation. Deliver us from temptation. Don't lead us into temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Why? Because you can't do it on your own. You face a spiritual battle, and if your way of getting out of it is just try to pick yourself up by your own bootstraps and, and, and take care of this on your own, it's not going to work because you don't have the spiritual resources necessary to accomplish victory in this battle. You need God on your side. And so Jesus is saying, when you pray, pray like this. Pray with an understanding that you are in a spiritual war. Pray so that you are ready for the battle you are going to face. And that's why the fourth R is readiness, recognizing the battle and praying for God's help. That gives us four R's, six if you count the extra two I slipped in there. And if you take those four R's and put them into a chart to make it easy to memorize, it looks like this. You're going to have an upward direction, which is reverence to God. Let's go ahead and put that on the screen if you've got that. Reverence to God. You're going to have a, a downward direction, which is our response to God. There's an inward direction, which is the request that we make and we ask of God, which includes resources and relationships, including our relationship with God. And that would be where we would confess our sin and, and make sure that, that we are right with God. And then there's the fourth direction, which is an outward, which is our readiness to go into the world and fight the spiritual battle, understanding that we need God on our side or it's not going to work. So what I want to do now that we have learned this model for prayer that really just comes from Jesus. We're just putting it into our English terminology to make it easy for us to remember and understand is I want us to do it. So often we come here on a Sunday and we learn something and whether or not we go out and actually apply it, I have no idea. 
But today, we're gonna apply it. We're gonna apply it right now. Whether you are in this room or watching online, I want you to engage with this and walk with us through a guided prayer time. We're gonna do the reverence and the response and the request and the readiness together. We're gonna do it in a couple of different ways. To get us started, to get us kind of warmed up, I've asked Mike and Bobby Proctor to come up and to pray for us on reverence. And here's what I wanna ask you to do as they do this. Don't just listen. Don't just agree. Pray in your heart and your own words with your reverence to God as well. Follow along, but make this your prayer. They're gonna give us an example, and you can come on up here. They're gonna give us an example that we can learn from and follow, and they're gonna just show us how they would pray to God with reverence. But this is a chance for us to both learn from them and also spend some time wherever you are praying and praising God for who he is. Let's pray with reverence. You know, <clears throat> reverence is, is probably one of the things that we're most not used to doing in prayer. We're, we're used to requesting things from God. But I think it's important that the Lord's Prayer starts out with us giving honor to God for who he is. And <clears throat> we want to give you uh, maybe some suggestions to help along that way. And one of the ways... And the way we're going to do it this morning is we're going to look at some of the characteristics that Paul tells us to put on that are characteristics of Christ. And we will look at those characteristics and pray those in honoring our Lord. And these characteristics these, that we're praying this morning happen to be from Colossians chapter 3. The first one is compassion. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you are a compassionate God, that you are a God who cares about us, who cares about people, who has compassion. In Matthew, it says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Father, again, thank you for even caring about us as much as you do. And Father God, you are kind. Your loving kindness extends to the heavens. You are long-suffering, and your kindness has no limit, no ends. We are so blessed for the kindness and the goodness that you extend to us. Lord God, you are humble. It says in Philippians that being found in human form, Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. We thank you for that, Lord Jesus. We thank you that, 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 <clears throat> that you were willing to, to give up uh, any pride, any, any thought of yourself and put all of your thoughts on us. Uh, we who do not deserve it, but you who are so humble in all that you've done for us. And we give you thanks and praise for that. 
and you are patient and you are gentle. You are the gentle shepherd who reaches out, who embraces us, who seeks us out when we are lost. You do not give up on us. You are long-suffering. Your plans are for our welfare, and you continue to pursue us, to draw us back closer to you. Father, you're forgiving. You forgive us. I think of when Jesus is on the cross, and he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And you have extended to us forgiveness. And we thank you, Lord God, that you are a forgiving God, that because of what Jesus has done, you have forgiven us. And you are love. We know in Corinthians the qualities of love, and you exemplify all of them to the extent that you gave Jesus as the ultimate sacrifice to die for our sins that we might be in relationship with you. I thank you for that love that is unconditional. We do not earn or deserve, but it is freely showered upon us. You are love. Thank you, Mike and Bobby. Now, I want to give you a chance to pray where you are, whether you're in the auditorium here or watching online at home. It doesn't matter where you're at. We want to all join in prayer to God in our response to him. So we've just prayed about who he is and praise God, and now we're going to pray together for our response to him. What, what is your position in relative to God's position and, and seeking his will and not your will? Before we get into requests and any of that, let's make sure that we're acknowledging that, that God's preferences and priorities take preference over ours and pray for his will to be done in our lives. That can be done a lot of different ways. Now I know, because we've already done this um, at this church, had services like this several times, that, that there's always a level of awkwardness for some people, that, that just praying with other people can be strange. And so if you just need to pray by yourself, that's totally fine. There's no judgment there. Uh, but I would encourage you to maybe stretch a little bit, get outside your comfort zone, and if you're willing to, Pray with somebody else as well so that you're praying together and bringing that before God. Let's take a few minutes. The music will pray softly. And now is a time for us to, to respond to God based on everything we just prayed to him and acknowledge that his will be done on earth and not ours. Would you take a few minutes and pray?
Lord, we recognize that all of our desires and all of our plans in this world are nothing compared to you. Our ways are lower, our thoughts are lower, and we don't even understand as we make requests sometimes the implications and the unintended consequences of those requests. So God, we ask that for everything we are about to pray, that ultimately your will be done and not ours. And for those things that we pray according to your will, we look forward to your response. For those things we ask for that you know are, are not good for us or not good for others, God, we pray that you would just, um, in your wisdom, reject our requests because we want your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. As we're gonna sing later on this morning, your will, your way, do whatever you want to. So God, we ask for you to do whatever you know is best to do. God, we, we put ourselves in that position below you and before you. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. The next R, the third R, is our requests. And remember, there are a couple of kinds of requests that Jesus models. There's the resource requests and there's the relationship requests. And it's important for us to bring our requests before God. It'd be easy to think that, well, if, if God's just gonna do what God's gonna do, then why would I even bring this? But James actually tells us you have not because you ask not. In other words, what James is saying is there are good things that God is willing to do, but he's waiting for you to ask. God is willing to do some things in your life, but he wants you to be a part of this process. He wants you to actually ask for it and be involved with him in it. He's not just gonna do it randomly if you're not coming before him and asking and saying, God, would you please work in this way? And so that's a, that's a challenging thing for us to, to do because sometimes we don't wanna bring our requests before God because we're afraid, well, maybe he's not going to say yes. And sometimes he doesn't say yes, and we have to trust that when he doesn't say yes, it's because he knows better than us. That's why Jesus starts the prayer this way. So we acknowledge the fact that maybe what I'm asking for isn't good, and if that's the case, God, that I respect and, and accept your no in that. But I also know, God, that you say that we have not because we ask not, or when we ask, we ask for the wrong motives, James says. So we don't ask selfishly. We ask trying to pray according to what we know of God's will, recognizing that we may not get what we want because God knows better than we do. And that's very important. So we ask for resources. We ask for relationships. We, we know that there might be people that we need to have a, a relationship restoration with. Maybe there's forgiveness that we need to offer before we even ask God for forgiveness. We know that there are things that maybe we've done that are against God and we need his forgiveness in our life. Now is our time to bring those requests before him. And let me just tell you, don't feel like you have to be glued to your seat either. If you wanna get up and go pray with someone else during this time, we'll have a little bit of a longer time here for you to make requests. Maybe there's somebody you need to make requests on behalf of. Maybe there's somebody in the room right now that you, that you wanna go make a request on their behalf before God. Feel the, the freedom and the flexibility to do that, to get up and go over to them and put your hands on them and pray for them. We're gonna take the next few minutes now and just bring our requests before God.
As you finish your prayers, I would like to invite the crisis response team that we sent to Covington, Louisiana to come and join me and Larry and Brad on the platform here. I don't know if everyone on the team is here in this service, but those who are, please come and join us. We sent this team in March to Covington, Louisiana to help with the cleanup and, and repair and to love people with the love of Jesus after Hurricane Ida. I wanna share just a little bit before we do our next prayer segment of a report on what they experienced. So Larry Johnson was our team leader. Larry, I'll let you explain a little bit about the, the trip. Thank you. Good morning. I'd like to begin by thanking you for sending us as crisis response missionaries to Covington, Louisiana, where we worked to restore the homes of individuals who were impacted by Hurricane Ida last year. We had 11 missionaries that went on the trip. We all agree that the mission was really successful. We felt that the people we helped were really encouraged and that those of us that went on the trip were uh, blessed a lot. We shared our testimonies with each other, which is always encouraging, Lord. And uh, as we re reached Covington, uh, we were hosted by Reach Global, the e-free church organization that manages crisis response. And, uh, oh, I see now what you're laughing at. All right, anyway, we were, uh, I lost it. We were uh, there, uh, they provided housing for us in bunk bed dormitories within their warehouse where they keep their tools and equipment that was quite adequate for us. We received our meals at Trinity E-Free Church, which is co-located with Reach Global just across the parking lot. Uh, we were uh, able to, the next morning, let me just say, after uh, being there, we organized into four teams that went to four different locations and did four different projects for different homes. Team one went to, into New Orleans and restored uh, drywall and installation on two floors of a home that was severely water damaged because the roof had been damaged and taken off by Hurricanada. Team two worked in Covington following other teams in doing priming and painting and restoring trim in one of the homes there in Covington. Team three worked on restoring a damaged garage, uh, installing doors and door uh, openers and repairing those items. Team four built a deck and a wheelchair ramp for a family that really needed help with access. All of our teams had the opportunity to meet the owners and to share with them that we were there because of the love that Christ had shown in our lives and our desire to share that love with them. Uh, we, we, due to time, I can only share with you a little bit of a report of one of the sub-teams, but before we do, I want to encourage you to consider being a part of our crisis response effort here at this church. We're working and desiring to expand it and to even be ready for crises that may occur here in our area in St. Louis. Secondly, I want to encourage you 
to uh, come to our mission luncheon in the activity center scheduled for Sunday, the 24th of July, where all of the sub-teams will be able to give you a more complete report and uh, the team members will be able to share their perspective. Now at this time, Brad is going to uh, give you a report on uh, the work of Team 4. Thanks, Larry. What a privilege it was to be a part of uh, this team and to serve. And the uh, theme of the whole week was people over projects. That doesn't come naturally for me. I'm a project guy. Uh, but our people were the Willies. They were a 60-ish couple. Mrs. Willie was still working as a caregiver. And Mr. Willie had physical challenges from a stroke and a couple heart attacks. They lived in a trailer, and Mr. Willie was basically confined to the trailer. Uh, our project was to build a ramp to give Mr. Willie some freedom. When we got there, God was waiting for us. Uh, we found most all of the materials we needed in the yard. There were some old decks that were laying out back, uh, from other houses that had been destroyed. And uh, there was fencing, and there was uh, post bases there. And what was amazing, you can see the post bases there on the, on the photo. There were 11 post bases, and that's how many we needed. So uh, our team was Jill Timken, uh, Matt Lauders, and myself. And together with God and Reach Global, we were able to build a small deck and a ramp for the Willies. But more than that, we were able to be a part of changing the quality of life for that family. Uh, when we started early in the week, we, we got the framework up and we were starting to put a little bit of decking on. And uh, Mr. Willie, as soon as there was room for a chair out there, he was out there sitting on it uh, and just being with us. By the end of the week, we were wrapping it up, and uh, we had, Friday afternoon, we had picked up all our tools, we were getting ready to pull out, and I noticed Mr. Willie was in his daughter's car, and they were going to lunch, and uh, in tears, Mr. Willie said, I haven't been able to go to lunch with my daughter for a couple years. So that was so powerful. Uh, that we had been able to affect the lives. Uh, the other thing that was really powerful for the week was, like Larry said, the testimonies and the life stories of all the people on the team. So just getting connected. Uh, we would love to have more of you join us and be part of this team. Thank you. Thank you, team. Uh, let's thank the team that went on our behalf to this trip. We appreciate all that you did. And, and remember, you can hear the full report at our Mission Community Lunch on July 24th. And so how does this tie into readiness? And we pray that we not be led into temptation, but be delivered from evil. And I don't know about you, but for me, sometimes the temp temptation that I'm led into sometimes is doing the wrong thing. Oftentimes, I'm just tempted not to do the right thing. I'm tempted not to obey. I'm tempted not to go. I'm tempted not to share. And so sending this team to help clean up after Hurricane Ida was a way for us to say we're ready 
and we're not going to just be about our comfort. We're gonna go, we're gonna send this team to help these people whose lives have been devastated. But that should be the case for us individually as well, in small ways, in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, in our schools. God's called us to go, and so we need to not give in to the temptation to not go across the street or to not go to that neighbor that we know is hurting, but to instead say, Lord, I'm available and I'm ready to be used by you. And this is a spiritual issue. It's a spiritual battle, as Adam shared earlier. This isn't just, I need to make a choice. It's like, I need the Holy Spirit to fill me to be that vessel of God's love. So I'm gonna pray right now, if you would join me and let me lead us in prayer, that God would use us and that we would be ready for his spirit to fill us, to use us, and not let us go into temptation. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for this team that went to Louisiana on our behalf for the work that they were able to do. Thank you that they were ready to go. Uh, And sometimes at a cost to themselves and definitely inconvenience and sleeping in bunk beds when they have nice beds at home. And that's just a little example of what you've called us to. There are people all around us that you want us to make a difference in for Jesus. Pray that you would help us to see the brokenness all around us, that we would see the broken marriages, the illness, poverty, crime, addiction, pride, fear, shame, that debilitates people in our homes, in our church right here, in our community and in our world. Give us compassion for them. Give us hearts that are ready to love. Forgive us for the fear and the pride and the lack of trust that keeps us focusing on our own convenience, on our own comfort, instead of on the mission that you've called us to. Imprint on our hearts the wonder of your love flowing through us to change this world. We need that. We need your Holy Spirit to fill and empower us. We're ready, Lord. We're ready. Please use us this week for your kingdom glory. And whenever our hearts begin to veer to our own self-satisfaction, please keep us on track because there are people this week in our lives who need to know the love of Jesus and we're there to tell them. Amen.